Welcome back to part two of QPR Podcast Live. So we we had a fantastic first half, had Trevor Sinclair, brilliant interview, brilliant guy. Um, And and how can we top that? Well, we're going to try. We have two guests with us talking about modern and uh, modern day QPR and QPR a uh, bit of QPR nostalgia thrown in because along with us guys from the podcast we have Kevin Gallen and we have current assistant manager Mark Bircham be that bad tonight then. <laughs> Has anyone noticed by the way that Chelsea the bastards of Nick Kevin's song? Yeah I know sir. <laughs> Out of interest, who put your hands up if you prefer the Mark Burcham song or the Gallon song? So go. Who, uh, <laughs> don't bo- don't bother. Don't bother. against Chelsea is much better. <laughs> so I'm actually going to start with Kevin. Yes. Because um, we've just listened to Trevor Sinclair and we're about to listen to you and Mark. You played with both. Yes. And um, we had a good question on Twitter today uh, from Nigel Whittle. Kev, you shared a dressing room with both Birch and Trev when they had distinctive hairstyles. Which one spent more time in front of the mirror? Oh. Uh, do you know what? I never took any notice, to be honest. Um, <laughs> You're too busy in the bog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Trevor's was... I do remember someone put on Twitter that I do remember Rufus Brevet copying Trevor's. Is that right, Trev? No, he's gone. Um, <laughs> he's had enough. No, but uh, I don't. Doesn't no, I don't. I don't, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, a virtue. Who does I prefer? Yeah. <laughs> Not none of them, really. <laughs> I think Shrev should bring back his uh, dreadlocks. Well, but he, he used to be he always like, he, yeah, I know he, he can't. But he used to. He used to keep. I remember him just in the changing room, quick, keep kept twirling them and stuff like that, keeping him in butt. And then uh, he'd become follically challenged and he had to get rid, so... You, you've, both all been, uh, you, you've both got fine heads of hair, so, so you, you've done better than yeah, me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging on, just hanging on. Thank, thank God, I don't think I look good bald. Who, whose <laughs> idea was it to uh, Mark to do the blue and white hair? It was... Uh, long story, I always, always said to my brother, look, if I ever play for QPR, if it was me or him, this is when we were about six with dye hair blue and white and then it all come about pre-season funny enough we went to an army camp in Aylesbury and I've been signed for about a week and we've not had a night out to celebrate me and Kev and it we thought it'd be a really good idea 
to go have a drink. Yeah, yeah, I remember that and night. Uh, like, you know. <laughs> it was in army camp, so we. The had night to... was great. It was the morning after. Oh, that was the problem. God. It was we we snuck out into Aylesbury, and it was me, Kev. It's a classic night in Aylesbury, lads. It was it on a, on, on, a, on a Tuesday. <laughs> it, it was, was well a, worth it. It was me, Kev, <laughs> Cole Connolly. Was it Tomo as well? And he, I think Andy Thompson. And, Andy yeah. Thompson, and we went out, and we got back in, and I remember. We, we got in about four. No, we no, we got in about five, and then they decided to. They, they, was, they, they, must have been professional then. <laughs> and then they they decided to wake us up at half five to go yeah. on this like six mile run, yeah. and we had we we had a six mile run. Then we had a, we went to the pool. Then we had a gym. It session. was the longest day. The longest ever day of my life with a hangover. Oh then, my god! I remember it. Oh, it's all. We were just. It makes me sick. We had about four four. Physical sessions by the ten by the time of ten o'clock, and we hadn't even had breakfast. Like we was doing was a, to be fair, we was doing a weight circuit, and the, and the lads were saying to us, "God, you stink of booze." Like, <laughs> but the worst thing about us, Kenny Jacket and Ollie, was doing the weight circuit with us, so we was trying to get downwind of them. <laughs> so we kept saying, "Yeah, you do this one." We kept trying to get behind them with the wind. So, but on that night out, me and Kev was arguing who was the biggest QPR fan. And I kept saying, like, I was the biggest one. I used to go away from home. And he used to say, well, that's because you didn't go to school. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to get the midweek ones and he weren't allowed to go. So well, I, I sort of said, well, I've been to more because I played. <laughs> I was <Yeah>. playing. <laughs> and, and so then I said, look, look, look I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll dye my hair blue, blue and white. And I had, like, Ricky Butcher curtains at the time. It was quite long. <laughs> And then, yeah, so the first game of the season, he didn't... It was a £250 bet that he didn't pay, of course not. So, and then the, fir- the first game of the season, I had blue and white hair, and it went from there. But then, after I that, weren't going to pay him 250 quid to have that hairstyle. <laughs> no chance. I would have paid you 450 or whatever. <laughs> no. but, then, uh, but then, yeah, my first four games, I think I got three bookings and a sending off, and Ollie asked me to change it. <laughs> So, if I ask you now, who's the bigger QPR fan? If I ask you individually, Kev, who's the bigger QPR well, fan? I don't, just, uh, I don't think it's a question. I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's an answer. You have a QPR fan and you're not. There's no such thing as who's a bigger, who's this, who's that. You, you, you QPR, have a you QPR. You bet on it. Yeah, that he didn't pay. But <laughs> <laughs> because no, I, I <laughs> yeah, because like, based on it was it's, me. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's funny. You get supporters and you get fanatics, and we were fanatics. Both of us, like, I think... Because I weren't playing. Uh, no, but we were fanatics, and you, and sometimes you just, you lose, you lose that. You think every player's a fan, but we was lucky that both of us played in the same team as fans. Lee Cook was a supporter. I wouldn't say so much of a fan. He was a supporter. He used to go to home games now and again when his dad took him, but... Uh, <laughs> But we were fanatics and we was in the team and it, it used to be funny, like when, when players used to leave QPR, I remember my idol was John Byrne and then he was meant to be going to Man United and I couldn't get in my head why would he go to a smaller club. I was only like nine. <laughs> and like, even when like Andy Sinton left and went to Sheffield Wednesday, you're thinking, what is he doing? Why would he want to go to a smaller club? It's not to go hills and they're getting 35,000 every week that you know that they're quite big. But with us, it was... It was both our dreams to play for QPR and we managed to do it I mean, and not only that we managed to do it in quite a successful team so that was the best thing uh, Mark let's talk let's, let's talk about this season please don't yeah, yeah. to be fair I've heard your last podcast it was a bit harsh on a few things but then the media team went Birch are you sure you want to do this podcast because you have got honesty Tourette's and I went 
And I went, yeah, no problem. So to be fair to Mark, he, he had the opportunity to not come tonight, and he said, absolutely, I'm going to come, committed to it, agreed to it, and, you know, even though we're coming off a bad run, you know, it's something that I want to do. So fair play to you, and we appreciate that. G- give us Stop your... Right. Exactly. Give, give us Cheers, your... Dad. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what do you want to say about the season? What, what's your, as the assistant manager, what... what um... <laughs> that, I'm, what There's going to be a million no, questions, so, so, so you I know, know what I'm I saying. Prom- like, what's prom- your thought? What's, I promise I'll, I'll answer any questions that come out, as long as it ain't about my personal life. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, well, it, it's, it's, it's magnificent. <laughs> okay, so, so, there's, so there's a lot of fans not yeah. happy with the two yeah, but, separate runs, yeah, seven losses out of eight, and what do you say to them? Well, definitely, but just please don't be like narrow-minded and short-term memory because only a month ago we beat Rotherham 5-1, it was all rainbows and sugar drops and we're going to win the league. Like, don't be too high, don't be too low. Like, with the first run of six games, we come in and... I know it's a cliche when you come in. You're coming halfway through a season. You're working with other people's players. It weren't the players weren't up to our physical expectations the way we want to play the high tempo pressing and and the sprinting. So we knew probably with results it it would take a dip in results to start with because you're working them hard. And and look, I've listened to the fans before and it's right about having changes in games. But what we couldn't say was that. The squad was patched up in the last two months of the season. We, you look at what we had this weekend. We, what I can say it now: Silla needs a back injection. Yenny needs an ankle injection. Connor Washington needs a groin injection. Grant Hall is a glass man. He was patched up for the last two months of the season because he wanted to play. He's got a bad knee and ankle. Uh, Luke Freeman had like missed six weeks over Christmas, so he was struggling. Matt Smith had got a bad knee to tell us that we was trying to patch him through to the end of the season. It's some that's stuff we couldn't say because we didn't want the opposition knowing. We got a load of like load of I won't say it, load of a load of injured injuries. people, yeah. load of injuries. Yeah. So uh, that 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 was hard. So we had that, and of course, you'd maybe we. We done it too early. I'd say we we done it too early, as in playing people looking forward to forward to next year, and it would only be the start of next year, whether it was a good idea or not, because we got to find out about individuals, we got to find out about formations, so we can start pre-season and first time really in six, probably seven years where we're going to finish the season and start the season with the same squad, give or take one or two, probably coming in, and. Like Trevor said, fitness is a massive thing in football and physically fit with people carrying injuries and physically fit of running, it's the only time in my life that I'm happy I'm retired is in Ian Holloway pre-season because it's mentally and physically draining and that's what you need in this modern-day football. So with anyone, with a manager, you can only judge a manager when he's got his players in and he's had a pre-season because you've got six weeks to work on formations, tactics, fitness, without worrying about results. It's the championship. Like We've come in November, there's two games a week, so you haven't got much time to work on your, your philosophy, your, the tactics, because you've got a game coming up. And that we stayed up, which is the main thing and what we wanted to do. We had, I, myself, I thought we had a really good 
transfer window in getting players out of the club that don't want to be here, that are on good money, and getting players that want to be here and do well. You look at Matt Smith and Luke Freeman, I think they've been excellent without being fully fit. And you'll probably need another two transfer windows because any transfer window, if you have a 60% success rate of players that you bring in that do well, that's really good at any club. So you might have to sign six for for the, the good ones to come out. You might have a couple of duds in there, and that's like any club. You, you can have the best scouting network in the world, and you can have any club in the world. You'll, you'll see that. So realistically, to get a really good team in the championship that's challenging at the top, you need probably another two transfer windows. Well, I wanted to ask you about Oli. Um, what's the biggest difference between Oli as a manager now compared to the Oli who managed you? Well... I've got three different Ollies because I the, the the manager that managed me where the thing with Ollie that he done he he was physically fit organised and the thing that Ollie done with us as players they had a squad not just like the eleven that would play a squad of players that would die for him and that's when he that's when he does the best you look at when he went to Leicester he had big players on big money that weren't really bothered but then you look at QPR you look at Blackpool you look at Plymouth when he's gone there. You need, you need hungry players that want to win and they know he's one of the honest men in football and they'll die for him. And then I, then I joined him at Millwall and it was probably too early for Oli. I think with all the stuff at Blackpool and Palace drained him and he, he needed a rest to step away from it because I, I remember being there and I knew straight away Oli's, he's a little bit drained here and he's had the 18 months out of football and you can whatever you think about Ian Holloway, he's the most enthusiastic man in the world and he's the most honest man in the world. But his, his tactical, tactical analysis, he's probably got so much of it. He's had nearly a 1,000 games as a manager. And you, you just, as I said, you can judge Ollie when he's had a pre-season and he's got the players that he wants. Um, I know you said that you didn't want to give the opposition the edge by talking about all those players that are carrying injuries. And obviously last week we heard that Pav... His granddad, I think it was, unfortunately passed away, so that's why he was in and out. But I think as fans, if we knew that, we might be able to cut you a bit more slack, if you know what I mean, if we were a bit more open about stuff. I know, yeah, but I'd rather you not know and the opposition not know, to be honest, just on a personal level. And I think the club, the club took that stance. But like, well, what do you do? Do you, do you put all your cards on the table and say, yeah, we're the walking wounded, have a go at us? Or... Do, do we put it all out there that lads are carrying injuries? And you look at it, I think we're a couple of players away from, from doing it. Even when we went on that six-game run, we played Brighton, Sheffield Wednesday, Huddersfield at home. And we should have won them games. And it's only, even like, the, you look at the Brentford result, like I'm fuming after the game, I'm angry. And it's not till you look back at the game, and I watched it again on video, look, Connor Washington's missed a couple of really good chances first half for a goal. We scored a goal to make it one all. That makes it a different game. We get back in it 2-1, they score straight away afterwards. Like Little things like that in games, the result's not good enough, but there's little things in games that can change it. And letting the first goal in the championship, letting the first goal win is a major, major thing. And the back four, we've worked on them, worked on them, worked on them. Probably a place that we need strengthening, and we know that, but you can't do it during that season. You can only do it in the transfer window, and Matt Smith and Luke Freeman were the main targets, and that's what we had to get, and we've had to, to work with the players that we got there, but as we said, judge Ollie after a pre-season and when he gets his players in. Well, what I was going to say was, we're not going to pull any punches. It's been a shit season. Um, you know, it's, it's been horrendous. It could, have, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. Things could always be worse. Um, 
Yeah. Um, but you say judgy and Nick C, which is fair enough, and we agree with. But many people would say it was a tinkering that did people's heads in. You know, we didn't know what our team... I mean, there's, there's bluff in the opposition, but there's bluff in your own fans as well, when no one knew who was going to line up game after game. Is that something that next season, hopefully, we're going to have a more settled squad, a more settled team? 100%. So um, it was basically done because you didn't know the players, you would have a look at players or... Yeah, uh, players and probably Ollie's confidence in the, the, the formation that he wanted to play. And we had so many players, we have to... It will only be a good decision if we start next season well. And that's when okay. you can judge it. Yeah. If, if we start next season really badly, then you give it, what's he doing? What are we doing? But if we start this next season, we, we, we've used this season, once we've got the points that we needed, it got a little bit nervous towards the end, but once we got the points we needed... You tell me. We've, we've used that, and you will only tell by next year if it's a good decision if we start well. So, so, Nick, so next season... Where should we expect or hope to be around the table? To be better than this season. That wouldn't be that hard. <laughs> you say that. You say that. No, but look, you, you want any good club. You need I'm not blaming you, by the way. I'm just saying. No, no, bit, I'm, I'm, I'm talking as a fan. But it's not you. I mean, yeah, we've not, had defeat like, oh, Yeah, we're getting promoted. Woo, come on, let's all chip. No, it's not, it's, not, it's not that. Any good club. You look at Brighton. You need a steady progression. As a club, we, we can't be... We've been a rollercoaster club for years. And, like, if it doesn't go well, do you want to sack the manager? Look at Ollie when he was here as manager. Did he start really well? Mm. Jay Francis, when he was here as manager, did he start really well? No, he didn't. He got given time, and you need to bring your own players in. Like, if it doesn't start well, ah, oh, sack and get another one in. And you're back to the drawing board. It's the same again. But as a, as a club, you need steady progression. And it's, if you progress every season, you'll end up in the Premier League. That's the fact. But the thing is, I don't think what's helped you guys, and it's not your fault in all fairness, is that we've had the seasons in the Premiership where we lost too many games. Our home record in the last four or five years hasn't been great. So I think fans have got defeat fatigue badly. So that's why when Holloway talks about having a cave and everything else, it's so important to start winning home games and, and be the force we used to be. Because let's face it, the teams used to hit come the Loftus Road because you're so close to the players, you can give them so much jib. Forget, forget the last month of the season, our home record was really good. When we, we come in, we were in four out of five before that last month of the season, before we were having to start patching the team up. And anyone that comes to Loftus Road when we were here, the big thing, we wanted to create that atmosphere at home. And we wanted... Look, I was here before with my family as well, they couldn't be asked coming to games. They bought season tickets, they couldn't be asked. It was like, it was like a chore for them. But anyone who comes off the road, we've been clapped off three times at home by losing. Yeah. And that's very rare for, at QPR, but they could see, we want a team with passion and effort at home. And anyone that's come, whether, whatever the result, you could see that's happened. And I think there has been improvement in the squad. Now we've got to turn that, passion and effort at home to not letting in the first goal because it absolutely kills you but if we all we we want a team that's going to run work hard for each other and know what it means to play for QPR and at home as you said if if you're going to do well you need a good home record and we need to make Loftus Road like they're going about our cave is we need to make Loftus Road a fortress and then uh, the good teams that we played in Teams didn't really like coming to Loftus Road, and we need to make it hostile, and we need to make it hard, and, and the fans play a big part in that, and it's a bit like the chicken and the egg. Do the team need to set the fans off to get them going, or do the fans get going? You look at the Fulham game at home. We drew one all, but the atmosphere at the game, the fans were up for it from the first whistle, 
and the players fed off it and and the players have fed off it the time that we've been in how good the atmosphere was at Loftus Road and they knew they could they could go a goal down or they could be losing they'd be with them and that probably weren't before so the fans it's a cliche have a big part to play and they have done and we can thank them for like we've not won games but you was at Villa Park we we've gone to Aston Villa who spent 85 million in the transfer market and played them off the park and the fans were there and they clapped us off and they've got a big part to play and hopefully uh, next year we'll reap the rewards of what's happened this year Mark you mentioned that uh, in the transfer window you know, you have to like sign six players, for example, and like maybe 70 percent of them will turn out well. Some won't. Do you envisage that some of the players we bought in the last window that may not have impressed might leave in the summer? Yeah, look, I'm not going to dress it up. You, <clears throat> there's always at every club you've got players that want to play in the Premier League. I mean, if we're not in the Premier League, they're not fans like me and Kevin want to stay at QPR because they love QPR. Sorry to break it, that's a myth. Players don't love your club because. It's not their club. It's a job. And if they can get more money somewhere else and play at a higher level, they're going to want to go there and their heads are going to get turned. That, not saying that's our players, but that's like at any football club. You so, need to... But, but talking about winning games at home, at any football club, you need, um, you need a certain personality to play in front of your home fans. That's where the pressure is. Away from home, there's only 1,000, 1,500 there. But at home, there's 12,000, 13,000. There's pressure there. And you have to have some a sort of mentality to win games at home. And that's at any club. That's where your bread and butter is at home because that's where your, your fans are. And there's more pressure playing at home than away from home. But when we come by, in... By a mile. Yeah, when, when we come in, the players thought our fans were harsh on them and it was hard to play in front of them. When was this? Like when we come in, when we come in in November, right. the feedback from the players is that at home it's a really hard place to play because the fans are really critical and they're not behind you and they're waiting to be entertained. And you ask them now, it's completely different because the atmosphere, forget the last month of the year because people ain't happy losing, but in our time there, it was, it was a really positive place and that's our big... Like, I played at Mill. If we're not winning by half time, we're getting booed off and they're calling everyone in our families like disgraceful names. That's a harsh crowd. <laughs> at QPR, they might have a moan and groan if you kick it off the pitch, which they're right to do. But the feeling of the players was that it's a really critical place to play by the fans at Loftus Road. And we've sort of changed that because you look at our home form with the games that we won and even against the big teams, we've gave them really good games at home. And the games that we lost at home, especially like we've lost at Derby, Aston Villa, Sheffield Wednesday, Brighton, Huddersfield at home. And they got clapped off the pitch and the players couldn't believe it. But they gave it their full effort and they should have got more out of the game and the fans knew. We've got to turn them performances into results next year. We're not silly, the players are not silly, we know that, but... The fans have got a massive part to play uh, of the attitude at Loftus Road. I was going to bring Kevin in here uh, because you've you've kind of got I don't know a foot in both camps if that's the right analogy. There's your your good mate who's assistant manager at the club at the moment, but you're also a fan and ex player as well. What's your view on where we are at the moment? <laughs> the no pressure, Kevin. Yeah. No well, uh, I've, I've I've been to a lot of home games this season. I've been to a few aways, but. The, I ain't going to hide. The facts are there. We've been poor. There's no doubt about it. I've seen... I think I was here, I was here last year and I said a lot of the signings have been poor. There was a lad here, I had a bit of an argument with him and he said, no, no, the signings are great. I said, no, they're not. 
They haven't been great, and they haven't been great for the last four or five years. At the end of the day, you sign poor players, you get poor results. We can dress it up as you want, as we want, everything. The results are there to speak for. We've stayed up by two points. The season hasn't been good enough. I think everyone can agree with that. That's, I'm not lying. That's it. You can see, I can feel the frustration. I can see the frustration in everyone's faces. This hasn't been good enough. I've been in teams when it hasn't been good enough. You take it on the chin. I've been in teams when it's been good enough. And it's happy days, but this season hasn't been good enough. I Mark, mean, uh, am I lying? No, he's, he's 100% right. I'm not lying. You can all see it. It's sad to say it, but it hasn't been good enough. So, Mark, what can we expect next year? No, no, you can expect you can expect a team to give a hundred percent, play with passion, and try and win every game, and hopefully be in every game. And that's you can't uh, you can't affect results a lot of the time because I don't even get started on the refs. But uh, <laughs> you can't you can't be, all you, all you can do is get a team that wants to work hard, give a hundred percent pride and passion, forget. Forget that last game against Norwich because it was a disgrace. And I think a lot of the players got a lot of answer for They thought they'd done the job by staying in the league. But it's a QPR game. There's 2,000 fans paid to go to Norwich. You can't be putting out of headers and tackles. It's just not on. And it, we, we told them after the game, an absolute disgrace. Right? Yeah, well Mark, um, one of my favourite moments uh, when you were at the club as a player was your um, goal at Brentford right at the end. Uh, uh, set them up. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you remember from that? Uh, was it a good night after that? Yeah, uh, do you know what I remember about it? I remember the ball going out and a QPR fan throwing it back in, giving it to as winning, which means we'd have been out the playoffs. And then we took the corner, I think Gino missed it the corner, and it came towards the end of the box, someone got a flick of it, and I ate it, and it went in the top corner. And just remember the fans going mad. And luckily, like, Cat, Gary Doyle, I used to wear a vest underneath the old Guinness top with John Byrne 10 on it. The first time I scored against Brentford, he printed my name on it. <laughs> so I took the turn, I thought it was John Byrne, I'm running around pointing to it, and it just said Birch Mate on it. What, what a bell end. <laughs> but, but yeah, I just remember that. But uh, Wally Downs, who's a, a big QPR fan, was Brentford manager at the time, yeah. and my of course with my family Wally Downs' brother come with the family and he's on the pitch cheering the QPR scoring <laughs> and then yeah I, I just remember it, it was a, a, but back then I didn't realise the rivalry between Brentford and QPR it didn't exist they don't like us yeah but it, it didn't exist like my, one of my relatives is Phil Older who's been assistant manager at Brentford and but with us when QPR didn't national games we'd go watch Brentford it weren't it weren't like that but the first time I knew about it was playing at Mill. We played on a Friday night against Brentford. I think it was '99, and they was all at, at the den, and they were st- standing up singing "Stand Up If You Hate Rangers." And all the players are giving it up. Oh, Birch, what's going on there? I'm going, I ain't got a clue. I didn't. <laughs> like, they're not our rivals. Chelsea's our rivals. But it's sort of like where we are. The level. It always used to be Fulham. Brentford didn't like each other. We hated Chelsea, and they were like massive time and didn't care about anyone. So. That, 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 that was it the, the rivalry's just come in recent years I think it's not saying it from that game and last minute goals and how it's gone about it as the way that we've dropped down the way they've picked up that's the rivalry but yeah we've got no problem then really 
<laughs> other than that, the other weekend, I really ate them. But other than that, yeah, You're not no, the only one. <laughs> Can I take you back to Hillsborough a few years ago? Um, I mean, it was a it was a seesaw game. You had the uh, the PA person putting up the Bristol City School, which wasn't very helpful to anybody on the scoreboard. Yeah, and um, but we came through. We won three one. I just wanted to know, I mean I, I, I mean, I don't remember much of that night after getting back at the bush, the old bush ranger, I think I was. Um, <laughs> what did you fellas do? Well, I just remember, I, I, yeah, 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 we went back, but um, I remember that. I think I've said it before, but they were out of order what they did, putting the score up, because it put the pressure on. And I remember the going into that game thinking, we cannot lose this, we have to win this game. And going to Sheffield Wednesday, at any, it's a tough, whatever, they're at home, big crowd, big, big team, and you're like thinking, we've got to win. I don't think, I, I, I think, I, I didn't I think the if we didn't win that game, we, I don't think we would have done the playoffs. I really don't. I think we'd been there the year before and, and, it, and it sort of scarred us. So, yeah. To see them putting the score up, I thought that's bang out of order. They put extra pressure on, and then as the game progressed and we won, it was just brilliant. And then, yeah, we were just the, the, we on the bus, the after. bus, the bus on the bus on the way home was like. I said to Ollie, I went Ollie at the time. Can we do this on the way home from every away game? This is brilliant. <laughs> but uh, I, it was honestly, it was a part of us. I think he, poor Clark Clarla, I'm sure he was having a. <laughs> A few, cheeky vod- a few cheeky vodkas on the sly, but uh, I think I think the happiness. I remember him smoking, but then he—I yeah. don't know—he was. We were all looking at him, and he, he was. We were all absolutely caned, going mental, yeah, and he's just it? looking there doing this. You wankers! <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, a lot of us. We, we, he was desperate yeah, to get involved. Uh, des- but we, a lot of us didn't. Get I think so- we were just doing this in front of him. Clark, yeah. <laughs> have some of that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> And to be but, fair, to be fair, a lot, of us, a lot of us didn't get changed. We were still in our kit. Yeah, I remember Gareth Ainsworth turned up at the, the yeah. bar in London. Yeah, and, and he, uh, he had his, still his number eleven yeah, Ainsworth but, top off. Because it's and then birthday. and head butted a chandelier and smashed yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the, the owner was like, yeah. they weren't too pleased. It was, yeah. well, it was my birthday. It was so good. It was we, good. We it was are, good times. I had a nightclub in London, so yeah. we was right. Coach went We're really going to celebrate. I'm going to like kill myself drinking from depression. We were just all out in our tracksuits. But I never forget the, the, the girl's face in the players' bar on Sheffield Wednesday. She went, "What do you want? We take everything." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like looking at us. No, no. What do you want? No, we take. I remember everything. chatting. I remember David Ursus over Sheffield Wednesday. He was in there with us, and we were just. We, I think, me, you, four P. Ainsworth. Ainsworth was still in his kit and he didn't have a shower. We were just banging them back. It was like. You know when you got to recover from a match? There was no recovery. Well, we'll recover. <laughs> we got to August to recover. Not a problem. Now it was good. It was good. It's one of the best uh, couple of weeks of my life, really. We can we can say the story now because like we and we went to Dublin and that, we went up. That was brilliant, wasn't it? Remember, oh, the remember, meeting, the remember meeting. in the meeting. So we were having a meeting. Ollie Way brought us in on the Tuesday or Wednesday, and he didn't realise. <laughs> But uh, they were we organising uh, the town hall at the yeah, weekend, and someone went, uh, "Ollie, uh, <laughs> we booked Dublin from Thursday to <laughs> to, to Sunday." Yeah. And he went, "What? What?" He went, "Right, when you get back from Dublin, I want you in on Tuesday, and you're running, and I want fitness tests, and I think four peak is it? And we just got promoted or relegated." <laughs> 
And then he went, everyone out. Five minutes later, we all came back in. Don't worry, go to Dublin. <laughs> See, that, 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 that's the QPR we know and love because it's really weird because we went into the Premier League without any celebrations. And there was nothing, no bus, no, no glory, no, no turn hall, no nothing. Yeah, but we, we turned up on that bus and I'm thinking, no one's going to turn up here. We was a little bit embarrassed when we left the ground. Look at it. There's nothing. The next thing, the whole place was packed and it was sort of overwhelming. Bloody hell. Obviously, because we've been, been through such heartache and with relegation, administration, and so many people turned up. I remember going down the, the old, what is it, the Gold Oak Road. It was marvellous. I'm Slayer and the Bush Range and then all Pick these pubs. The it was unbelievable. It was brilliant. We was like, I was shocked. I was like, what? People have turned out. We've only, you know what I mean? Done. And we got the great song by Gareth Fainter as well, didn't it? Yeah, that was quite far. Yes, yes, remember? Yeah, he's only, meant to be rock and roll. He went, he went, yeah, went gone. He went. The only sucked. way is up, wasn't it? <laughs> we were like, we were like standing behind him. What's that? That's rubbish. Get off. You're embarrassing yourself. Nah, it was a good. Uh, it was a good. Yeah, like I said, it was a good couple of weeks. <laughs> but, but like we say, you look at that team. It wasn't just grown overnight. It was. It, we had to go through the heartache. We had to go through the heartache of Cardiff to get together, and then we we had not a bad team, but. I remember, I remember Nick Blackburn, the chairman, like, we was all depressed in Cardiff in Celtic Manor and, like, it was, like, the end of the world. And he went, well, the good news is, is that if, if we'd have gone up, we'd have probably gone administration again for the amount of money we owe clubs for players. Yeah. And that was the truth, yeah. He was a like, cheerful store, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, well, yeah, but... but so we all started was, dancing yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but no, no he, but, said, he said we owed money to Barnsley for Kev, we owed money for Birmingham, for Furlong and Tommy Williams, we owed Gareth. money to no, what, no, no, Watford. No, no, Rowley. Rowley. No, no, not Rowley. No, 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 no. Watford for Chris Day and Palmer. Back. <laughs> it, it was... So we thank, owed lo- thank, loads of money. thank God for Tommy Williams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, come on! All right, let's. We've done the promotion thing. Let's talk about the the, the Cardiff thing, right? The fire, uh, the fire alarm. And after that, this, we'll go to questions. Yeah, well, the, fire alarm, so the fire alarm. The fire alarm. We're like, we're in line in bed, and I'm just the fire alarm's going off, and I'm looking at it and going, "What is that?" I'm not. You know, when the fire alarm goes, it's just not one bit interested. Look, the fire I, alarm made no difference. I didn't even wake up. The fire. This is an excuse. The fire alarm. It was out of order. They shouldn't have done it. But the fire alarm made no difference because we looked at each other and gave it what? I, don't I even just turned around and put the pillow. Did you stay in bed. Yeah, we yes. didn't even move. <laughs> I didn't even, wait. I just didn't even move. <laughs> I, I honestly can't remember. There like, could have been a fire in our up. room. I was not. I could have been dead. By Got no, a game to prepare. Really. No, I tell you what woke me up. It, it was about. It was at 8 o'clock, quarter to 8 in the morning, and my phone's going, kept ringing, kept ringing, I thought, oh, who's this? And then it was my dad, he'd give me, oh, yeah, there's a problem, the coaches are like... And I was like, what? <laughs> and so I hired a coach, it was like Del Boy, it was like the, the coach busters. It, it my, caught, my it, coach picked yeah, yours up. Yeah, it, it caught fire on the M4. <laughs> so they was all, all the family and friends, I'd like to see a coach and... Uh, it was stopped by the M4 and they was like thumbing rides in twos and threes and then of course the gallon executive coach pulled up I had like, I'd like a pikey coach I, I, got him, I got him a coach up to old travellers yeah but I know the caravan turned yeah. up. The no, I got, I got my coach to Oldham and I, I got my cheap one. It didn't have a toilet on, so they were moaning. So I upgraded, <laughs> upgraded to this one. This one it, didn't have an engine. And it, no, <laughs> and, and it, blew up, it blew up on the M4. And then the gallons come to the rescue. They picked, they picked like a few of them up and then they thumbed lifts to the Millennium Stadium. We had Sky on Yeah. Sky, the lot. So, okay. <laughs> so we've talked about promotion, we've talked about the playoff final. 
But you were also there with Witten's administration. I mean, that must have been as a fan. No, was... no, 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 we weren't. No, I, I was there he as was, a fan. I was, I was I, there, I, but I was... I, no, I, we, weren't, we weren't. We weren't there, but... I, I sort of... We, we were in the administration. But we were in the administration for about three years. No, it was I, like, yeah. what was going you, on? You joined the season before. I come the year we'd just come out. That was the... the, the, car, the it kept saying that we were skinned, but we kept getting paid, so it weren't too bad. <laughs> Yeah, I've got to thank the Winton brothers. They paid half mine, but they knocked the club and didn't pay them, I don't think. But no. <laughs> no, no I, I, <laughs> uh, Left the bill on the club. Uh, are there any questions from the audience for Birch or Gavin? Come on, I know they're coming. Yes, got you're going to have to come, you're gonna have to come to the front so you can speak into the mic. Be nice. <laughs> Just be yourself. Um... Got a question for Gallen. In terms of um, the current squad with Hall, like it's really interesting what you've done in terms of moving him to defensive midfield and centre back, and he's quite fluid. Um, but there's no other players in the squad that can actually do that. So are you looking over the transfer window to improve in that and actually be a bit more dynamic? Because we had Boris sick, but obviously he might have got homesick or whatnot, and he left. But in terms of enforcers and defensive midfielders in the club, are really light. So is that something we're looking for in the future? Because that's quite a specialist position. Like, I've never really seen that sort of defensive midfielder and centre-back type thing. So that's, I, just, I was just curious if we're looking you know, any more. Yeah, it was, a, it was a tactic we looked at with a, a five at the back. But when we attack, he steps into midfield. And like you said, we've not got many dominant defensive midfielders. So that's whether we look at a centre-back to bring in or, or a centre midfielder, I think... Jordan Cousins is a, a really good. Jordan Cousins, yeah. a really, he's just playing musical chairs in front of him, distracted. <laughs> so, like, I think Jordan Cousins could be a, a, a dominant midfielder if we can keep him fit, but he's had horrendous like, injury problems. And again, you look at our midfielders, the, the way which we finished the season with, you've got Ryan Manning, who's a young lad, Massimo, who's probably not a dominant defensive midfielder, and Luke Freeman. So that's an attacking midfielder, so it's an area we need to address, whether it's centre-back or centre-midfield. And luckily, Hawley, who was a, a big part of why we was doing well, got broke down because he, he was playing on so many injuries. But he, he can play either role if it's centre-midfield or, or centre-back. Uh, question for Gallon. Yes. Has um, Fernandez invited you back to coach? Oh, I'm <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm glad you asked him. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Would you come back? Of course. <laughs> yeah, I got invited back. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, it's hard for me. It's hard for me because it's my best friend who's sitting next to me and Kev. But no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, it is. Look, it's it's hard. I think a club can only benefit. Like like Trev said earlier, you got you got the Newbury coming. These analytics that like stats and everything, but it you can't replace players that play for your club. Players that play for your club that know the club that know that you talk about DNA of the club. Fans that play for the clubs is is a, is a massive thing, and it only it, the club can only be better with ex players in inside the club. No, that's all I can say. I don't know what's happened before, but that's not even talking about him as a mate. I'm not even talking about Kevin. I'm just talking about the club in general. And I think it has helped 
not just saying it, it's helped massive getting a bit of QPR back with the badge coming back. We got rid of Flavio's there around the around oh. the crest of it. Uh, <laughs> London on the we know where QPR is. It was for whatever. Like London's gone in the bad to get that back to get the Ferreras back and and it did really feel like. No, as I said, like short term memory, forget the last month of the season. That is like, that's not what we're doing. That's not QPR. But just remember the feeling that we've had with like getting our Rangers back, and it really did feel like it. And it, and it, the, the more Rangers we can get back, the better. You know, you know, you know. What I'm thinking. You know, what I'm thinking. I'm thinking. No, like, I haven't got a clue what you're thinking. I don't even <laughs> want to get in that brain. I'm thinking. What do you want, Colin Clark back? Come on. <laughs> More like Ian Stewart, but I'm, what I'm thinking is Gina Padula and the Space Alien, Kevin, Gareth Ainsworth, and Steve Palmer to make sure you don't sleep in and throw up in the box. I think. <laughs> the, get the old crew back. I mean, it, there, there is stuff in that, though, that a club should be run by ex players, and, and having ex players in the club can help, can it? Don't, it? don't get me wrong, you can't have all ex players in your club. You, no, do, but you, need, you need a fine balance, but like, like I say, if you're, if you're an ex player, you've got. You've got, you've got the, the the players to lose. If you're not a player, you have to gain their respect. And I think yeah. anyone who's played for our club, and loved our club, should be in our club. And that's like any fan. Like to be fair, we're just two lucky fans that managed to be alright at football. And because <coughs> you were quite good, we look, we, we just got lucky. We got, we're not bad natural ability of being footballers. But the main thing about it, we're QPR fans. If we weren't here we'd be there in the yeah. audience and we'd be at away games and we'd be travelling. we just probably to the most luckiest fans that have been out there that we managed to play for a club and we care for it. I'm in a position where, where I can do something about it, probably get sacked if they carry on the way they're doing, but <laughs> I can do something about it. And as I said, like, the, more, the more we can get QPR people embedded in our club, the better. Good answer. Question for Gat, um, Kev. Hello. When are you ever going to be inducted into the Forever Isles? I, I was. When? I didn't see it. The, fir- the first day. <laughs> no, no, no. Hello, ho. You were distracted. Did you notice me? <laughs> you were distracted by my boy's good no, looks, weren't you, on the day? That's why you didn't see it. When is it going to be Kevin? No, I was the it first was the day. Yeah. The first day I was there. He was in the bar. Well, hey, best place for you. <laughs> Quick one, Birch, while he's passing the mic back. Are you uh, hoping that Millwall will get promoted in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I do. Could be I interesting with you and Ollie no, in no, charge. Of course I do. But I, I've got a boy, Frankie. I've got, he's got two godfathers. One of them's Kevin, one of them's Neil Harris. Right. So, like, they're my two best mates. And, like, see what Kev is and we are to QPR that's what Neil Harris is to Millwall so, so, it's, look, so I actually want Millwall to get promoted well, I want a more like what, do you want to go to Millwall or like, Good Derby or Bradford yeah. Bradford <laughs> bloody hell Bradford yeah no. but no, no I've got I've got a place in my heart with Millwall like, I grew up there in, in the youth team and as I said my, one, one of my best mates managers so yeah of course I do <laughs> to be fair like my brother was six years as assistant manager so I want Millwall to get promoted as well well, I've been I, down. I've been down. Obviously, 
when he was assistant with Kenny Jacket. I was. I didn't I come down go- when I was assistant. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't invited. Um, <laughs> actually, I did. Remember Leeds? Oh. You won. Um, yeah. But yeah. I wanted to get promoted. Why? It's, I don't want to go to Bradford. Atmosphere. I don't want to go to Bradford. Mills. Tasty game, isn't it? <laughs> very, very tasty. Could say that. Question. Good fun. Man. Good fun. <laughs> I do. It's local. <laughs> but are you going to are, are you going to use the off season to improve your golf handicap? Because yeah. you were. <laughs> <laughs> this was the uh, forever hours golf day. Yeah. No. What do we need to know about that? No, no, it was horrendous. But it's lucky because I put in my real handicap. I didn't cheat this time. No, no. But the forever hours golf day was like whoever went there was excellent, and I think I need. A, Annie Sinton has been excellent at the club as that, as that ambassador. Like Normally you, you get ex-players that come in. We say we want more Rangers into the club, but you need to bring something to the club. And I think with Andy, it was you know, with, with Tony and the owners, they got, they got this ambassador. And Andy's come in there and he's, he's thrown his whole self into it. And, and I, he needs a, a, a lot of respect for what he's done. And I think he's done a great job at it. Question for both of you. Um, Trev was here earlier talking about the importance of fitness in pre-season uh, what do you do with a talent someone like Adel Tarapt who's clearly does that does that method work with him someone who's well, a player uh, of that uh, nature I think I think he's just gotten I just Adel Tarapt's got as more talent and as much talent as anyone in the world but he's got no application obviously he doesn't want to get fit and he's got no desire I mean it's plain and obvious to see if he was fit He'd be playing for a top team in the Premiership. There's no doubt about it. He's got the ability. When someone says to me, Kevin, who's your best manager? Who's this? Who's this? I was like, no, no, no. Not who's my best manager. Who's the best physio? Who's the best fitness coach? Because when I was fit and I could run all day, not a problem. I could play for anyone. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not. Fitness in football is the biggest thing. If you're not fit, it's game over. So that applies regardless of your... Ability you know, can get you so, so far and it can do a certain amount for a certain amount of minutes. But if you're physically fit and you can do running and the fitness for a whole 90 minutes, you'll play so much better. Well, Who's the least fit player you've ever... Uh, Trevor Sinclair. <laughs> <laughs> He's no, no, no. He's I, it's good. I, I, I will can... say one thing about Trevor Sinclair, and he, he said he weren't fit, but one thing about him, and I, I was quite unfortunate to play in sort of that era as well, where I was in awe. He said he was in awe, but I was even more in awe because I was a supporter. So I've been watching these players, and I came in and from school, and I came in, I went to school in West London, and I came in, 16-year-old boy, and... Now I'm in the same building as Alan McDonald, legend, funniest man I've ever met. Ray Wilkins, 84 cats, ring Les Fern, and brilliant. David, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Even him, Trevor Sinclair, when I came, he was an England 21. Me and him shared a room for England 21s. We had a Latvia. great. Yeah, we had a great laugh. I'll tell you about Latvia. You I'll tell you about. It. I didn't I, listen. I tell you what, but there was a lot of lies about. It was a lot of lies about. He told a lot of lies about Latvia. I'll tell you what. There's a little bit of truth in it. He stitched me up. Don't worry about that. But then he helped me out, so I let him off. But, but um, so I, I came in and fit. Do you know what I mean? That, that I, I crossed over. I crossed over on that really good team. 
then I was in a, a really poor team, and then we went on a really good team. So I, I was very lucky in my my life and my career that I had the ups and downs of QPR. But that team where I first started was the players, the as he was talking about the 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 camaraderie was brilliant. It was absolutely, I was just a youngster coming in, and those lads brought me through. Ray Wilkins, you can say what you want about him as a manager, but he was, as a player, he was immense. What a player, what a man, what an attitude. And he talked about the 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 Terror Tuesdays on the Tuesday where we ran and ran and ran. That was Jerry telling Ray Wilkins, Alan McDonald, Les Ferdinand, I'm going to run you. You're not going to see a ball. I'm in charge. I'm in charge of this club. And he made them run. And I remember we, we used to walk in every Tuesday morning just like half devastated because we knew what was coming people were getting vo- we were getting sick on the side he, Jerry didn't care <laughs> you'd be getting sick and he'd be like get up you owe me two runs you'd be getting physically sick it was so hard but that was Jerry's way of saying I'm in charge of this football club yeah not so much with Adele uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I was there luckily a coach for Adele and he was the most unluckiest player because he put his hamstring the first day of pre-season no. every season <laughs> <laughs> every se- no I honestly got it first day they go for a run his hamstring would pull and then as soon as the games would start his hamstring would get better every season <laughs> but what a talent but he could have been so much more do you give him Terror Tuesdays now? We have hard Tuesdays, yeah. Not but even so when terror. Ollie turned, when it, when Ollie was manager, oh, and Ollie, Ollie's, 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 it was, it was hard. It was man. hard. It was so hard as well. He bought it. He sort of took that Jerry mentality, and and Kenny Jacket. Remember, Jesus Christ. I, I, I remember one one Monday morning, and <laughs> and J- Kenny knew it was my birthday on a Sunday, and he knew <laughs> that I had a few drinks, and he went right. Never done it on a Monday morning. He went, lads. Get on that corner, give me five, give me five laps. And I looked at him and went, that prick knows it It was my birthday yesterday. (laughs) And he's making the lad suffer. Yeah. Honestly, that was it. I knew he knew. And he knew that I knew. And he didn't care. (laughs) Quick question. So we had to do it. Quick question for you both. You mentioned Trevor Sinclair. Obviously, he was here earlier on. um, And and very good he was too. Um, is his goal the best QPR goal you've ever seen? Or, 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 or you've got a few. You've got Francis, you've got Roy Wegley, Adel Tarab, Gareth Ainsworth at Rushton. Yeah, what, I mean, they're all great growers. Like Trevor at the time, when I was, I was injured and I, I was watching it from a South Africa road and I was, like, just amazed. It was just, you know, it's just one of those goals out of the blue. Bang, you just, like, just stood up clapping, like, in shock. Roy Wegley's at Leeds was just I was, I was skillful, there. There, unbelievable. Was... Jerry's, when you watch it on telly, about the actual team goal, rolling out from... You know when they talk about rolling it out the, from the back is a new thing? QPR yeah. were doing it in yeah. 1975. I remember Fal- I mean? so Falco against Chelsea. Falco scored a volley. volley. Oh, there's been numerous goals. Trevor's is obviously up there. Gareth's volley against Rushton. Yeah. We was like, the ball came to him, Gareth, and we were like, control it, cro-. I'm like, control it, and cross it into me. Bang. What? 
Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, but Even he was shocked. Was like, <laughs> yeah, but the worst thing about it, he tried it nearly every game yeah, for the rest that, of the season. After, after that, that it was, uh, yeah. the ball would come to him an halfway line and he'd shoot. It. He usually just went off and just rolled off to the loft. And we'd look at him and go, Gareth, for fuck's sake. As, as fans, so every fan will have their own favourite QPR goal. What are your two favourite QPR goals as fans? Uh, watching. Yeah. yeah, watching, I would say, Clive Allen scoring with his ass in the semi-final. <laughs> that was, because that, that was the first time I'd ever seen my dad, and the only time I've ever seen my dad cry. And that was at Highbury. And honestly, that's my, one of my earliest memories, was seeing my dad cry. And I remember that we, we scored, and I ended up, like, about 18 rows away from him, and he, he didn't even care. It was, only, <laughs> it was only I worked my way back to him, and he was crying, giving it, we're going to Wembley. And then... I would say that, and look, I think the occasion as well. You, Bobby's a moron because, because, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Like I keep reminding him. Before that, he was QPR's most hated player. <laughs> he used to get booed warming up. I think and, we were here three years ago, and Rodney Marsh said, "Do you honestly think Bobby Zamora should be playing in the final?" And everyone, he went, "No chance." Next thing, he scored probably the most famous goal in QPR's history, but. Yeah, I mean, that goal. Your favourite goal? Uh, I don't know, well, probably recently it was the Bobby Zamora because I remember being at that game, I brought my, all my kids, it was the worst one. game ever. At half-time, I went to the bar with my brother and we met a couple of QBR. We started having a drink. Went, What's the point going back? We ain't even yeah. having a shot. So we went back yeah. and we went, we're not even... Just a shot. To, I thought it was just, too, just a shot to get the fans going. Too, I think Joey Barton hit a shot. It went yeah. twenty yeah. yards wide, and we went. Well, at least we've had a shot. And next thing, the whole place we erupted. It was awesome. We, yeah. To be fair, I bought all the. T- my my daughters. My two. Yeah. I bought my. They bought, were like nine and yeah. six at the time, and they were just looking, and my wife just looking at me, giving it. Why are you free going <laughs> mental? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just was like, well. <laughs> we were I, I like bought, jumping yeah, up and down 20, for ages. I bought, I bought 25 tickets that game for the family to go, and it was like my daughter's one of their first games. And I just remember thinking, this is typical QPR. We've turned <laughs> yeah, up. Here. Yeah, yeah. It was a bit, we are absolutely woeful. It's going to be plucky QPR. We gave it a go with 10 men, and we're going to lose on penalties. It was my daughter's communion that morning, right? <laughs> so we're at the communion. And, I, and the, as they're doing all the stuff, I went into the back bit and I went to the, the phot- photographer. I went, see you, I'm having first picture. <laughs> he looked at me and went, what, I'm having the first picture? He went, no, you're not. I'm, I'm having the first picture. I've got to go to Wembley, mate. I've got to bring them. And we're going to Wembley. So as they're all like taking, like all cuddling, I'm standing up next to the photographer. We're first. <laughs> Everyone, let's go. Uh, Out of here, Wembley. That was was the communion party, Wembley. And as we're walking up, I see all the the fans and they're all singing my name. And she was only six and giving, Daddy, I'm scared. I started crying. I went... Don't worry, this is your yeah. communion party. I'll make it, I'll make it up to you. Look, going, back, going back to my dad, going back to my dad as well with that day. Uh, I remember in like 82, we, we lived in Wembley, so we walked to Wembley for the 82 Cup Finals, the, the replays. We went back there in 86, we got a bit spoiled. And I remember we losing to Oxford, I pulled in my eyes out, my dad went, Mark, I promise you, we'll be back here soon. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then, I remember, we, we went mental, and at Wembley, we come out, and my dad went, told you. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And I went, I mean, what do you mean you told me? He went, told you we'd be back. <laughs> I mean, it's a new stadium. What are you talking about? <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, one thing I want to ask you is, um, you managed to score against Chelsea. I did, yeah, yeah. What, what was going through your head at the time as a fan and as a player? Like, uh, well... <laughs> yeah, the eye was on the ball. Uh, it was a very rare header for me. And I look back on it and I just think, that was actually a decent header because I weren't very good in the air. But obviously, to beat those and to score in my first season when I was a kid, just 1995. Yeah, so my uncles were over from um, America. And even like, I've got a six-year-old boy now and he's gone QPR daft. He's gone absolutely... Favourite player? Uh, he keeps giving it Mackie and Smith and he's he's like honestly he's off his he's off his head I'm just like <laughs> oh because there's loads to choose from so I'm like uh, yeah you're just I just look at him and he's like uh, I, I take him to QPR and we sit and then uh, everyone's he's doing a com- he's doing a commentary and everyone's looking around and then we were losing 2-0 against Huddersfield and he's crying at half time I said what are you crying for he said daddy we're losing 2-0 I said Get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, what you, and everyone's just la- laughing. You, you two are in quite a unique position at, at, because you're talking about um, the player final with such, like, like everyone else does as fans. How did the player final compare to Hillsborough for both of you? Oh, well, no, but Hillsborough. Yeah. But it was the the playoff, I always say the player final was the best game I've ever s- watched as a, as a fan. But the, to be there, the Hillsborough, because... Yeah. The relief, the relief, the relief. I've had three kids. The relief, the relief, the relief of the pressure. The pressure was like immense because I didn't want to let anyone down, and to actually get over the line on the last game of the season was just. Uh, yeah, it was. I, I remember probably not great tactics by the club. Before I remember, we, we lost to Plymouth, and I was out of contract at the end of the season. I remember it was the day before the Swindon game, and. The club comes to me and said, look, if we don't go up, we can't afford you. You can't stay here. Ah, oh, perfect. That's exactly what I need going into them two games. So it was at Hillsborough. And to be fair, Neil Warnock was trying to sign me for like the last couple of weeks of the season. He was at Sheffield United. And he was kept ringing me up, giving it, ah, oh, the club can't afford you. Come sign for me. And then he even rang me like the night before the Sheffield Wednesday game, giving it, look, that's how much I want you. I'm coming to Sheffield Wednesday as the Sheffield United <laughs> manager to watch you. And I hope you lose. <laughs> and so I was like, oh god. So like that was I just remember the final whistle just I done a pat cash, I just went straight up to where my family were in the top tier, just run behind me, I went up there and it like Kev said, it was like it was jubilation, but it was just, just a relief thinking like we're brilliant. we I'm here for at least another year I can sign and we we've done it and I think Kev would say as well, it was the 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 only pressure coming to QPR as a player was that to be successful, to come to QPR and not be successful when the fans not really like you, that would have crushed the dream. Like, mm. The only dream is to play for QPR and to be to be liked by the fans. And look, we've gone down in history. It's not like the best history of QPR in the world, but it's part of history that like we 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 come to the club when they come out of administration. And we got promoted for the first time, I think, in 21 years. And whatever happens, no one can take that away from us. No one can take that away from the friends. And with, with that year, of course, we'd have loved to have got promoted at Loftus Road. But if there was any ground in that league that you'd want to win promotion, it was, it was at Sheffield Wednesday. And I, I think we had, they said 7,000 there. There was, there was more than that there. And I, I think 
I think it was the scenes where you had that whole end and the two sides of it there to mm. see the QPR fans there. It was, it was amazing. Great stuff. So we, we've gone on for absolutely ages, well over an hour. We, we need to finish up. For, for the, the end of the live podcast and, and, and the podcast this season, you two are obviously great mates. Tell us something about the other one that we don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting divorced now, Kev, so you can say whatever you want. There's no problem. Well, I'm not, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, no. He's the most hairish roommate next to Ray Wilkins I've ever had. And he's the baldest. No, no, no. <laughs> Other than his head, he was. He was. Uh, I made my debut at Mill with Ray Wilkins, and uh, of course, everyone at Mill knew I was a massive QPR fan. Uh, when I joined the club in the youth team, I was boot boy to John Byrne. I used to lick his boots clean. That's it. Like, they knew he was my favourite player. They gave me his boot boy. And, and then when Jimmy Nicholl came in, my, my debut was against Preston and Ray Wilkins was in. And I remember I was like, I wasn't nervous at all. And just before the game, I was really nervous. And Ray went, look, Birch, don't worry. I was playing right wing back, never played full back in my life. Right wing back was always sent me field. He said, look, just get your head down and run and I'll put the ball on the end of your foot. I was like, fuck, yeah, nice one, Ray, yeah, well done. You're about 48, nice one. <laughs> and then, but I did about the first three runs, I just got my head down run and he would spin it in my path. And then the, the next away game was Blackpool away, but I was still nervous because it was Ray Wilkins, like one of my heroes. And we got into the room and I'm thinking, oh, I've got so many questions about QPR. Uh, the first 20 about is why did you sign Jürgen Summer? But I didn't go into that. <laughs> and then I was like... I, I won't say anything, I won't say anything. And then he just got naked. <laughs> just got naked in front of me. And you don't expect that much hair because of his head. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, and, I, and it, just, it just come out. I won't swear, but it was like, Ray, where's that hair all come from? It was like a bald teddy bear. It was like... <laughs> like, unbelievable. And the man who come close to that was Kev. <laughs> Just come close. Right. <laughs> Kev, nothing to say about nah, that. Just, not really. <laughs> good lad. Just nonsense. Do you know what? No, seriously. Um, it's probably the end of the podcast. Thank you for everyone for coming tonight. It's really, really humble and wonderful that you guys support our podcast because we're just four gobshades that talk crap. And it's nice that you come down. But also... And thank you to the good ship. No, yes, I was getting there, you good Sorry. ship. Um, also, after the run we've got, the results we've had, thanks, Mark, for coming down in yeah, front no of problem. us. We do appreciate it. It's, it's, you know... One thing that's come out tonight is how special this club is because you can see those bastards down the road having ex-players coming to podcasts, fronting things up and taking it on the chin. Thanks, Mark. Kevin, as always, thank you for supporting our podcast. And the other thing is, you guys, we can't thank you enough. Thank you very, 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 very much for coming.
<laughs> thank you. Thank you for coming. Hopefully. <laughs> and you didn't thank the good ship oh, in yes, the end. Yes, um, by the way, John McCook, wherever you are, thank you. For, can everyone give John a round of applause because he's brilliant? Thank you. And also, one other thing, there's a guy here with QPR stickers, wherever he is, and he's got great stickers. And also, I've been asked... Sorry, Dave, I'm doing my usual. Acting and Stanley Bulls need players. Birch, they've asked me to ask you if you can turn out for Acting and Stanley Bulls and Kev as well. So if you're not busy, the other time... Yeah, I've, I've got a really big problem with officials. So, like, I've if it's, noticed. A bad, it's a bad ref... I, I've, I've, I've honestly, since I've, since I've retired eight years ago, I think I've played ten games and got sent off in seven of them. So, yeah, if they pay my fines, of course I'll play for them, no problem. Right, that's the end of our podcast. And thank you. No Give chance. yourselves a round of applause. Thank you so much. You are...